Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to Business Black Belts. I'm Dave Golding. I am here today with Matt Ferguson from MDF Coaching and Consulting. How are you doing today, Matt? Good, Dave. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, it's been fun getting to know you uh, in the process leading up to uh, us recording this episode. So I, I'm looking forward to learning more um, and sharing more about what you're doing with people that uh, tune in. Before we get to that, though, why don't you just introduce yourself and you know, kind of talk to us a little bit about what you're doing now? Yeah, my name is Matt Ferguson, originally born in Cleveland, Ohio, been in Phoenix, Arizona for God, like 12 years now. Um, originally actually moved out here to, I was in golf. So I was like, there's two times, two types of golf pro. I wasn't the person that was on TV. Right. But I was the person working at a country club, giving lessons, playing with members, running tournaments, doing things like that. And I got into sales, I would say two years out of when I was here and I went to work for a company called career builder and from there, worked with a couple different startups and have been in sales leadership now for 10 years and have really just fell in love with the uh, industry. What, what I'm doing now is what I noticed there was a need for, and this is only because it happened, it happened to me, was I found there's a lot of, there's a lot of, and you, you can agree with this, how many sales books have you read out there? How many sales coaches for individual contributors are there, right? And a lot of the talk is about that. What, what, I, what I saw a need for is there's not a lot of people coaching sales managers, right? And if you think about the evolution of a salesperson is – Hey, you get into sales. I think half the time you don't even really know what you're getting into, no matter what they tell you in the interview. Right? Yep. Then all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're like, geez, I, I got I to gotta call people who have no idea who I am. They don't want to talk to me. I got to talk to 100 no's to 100 people to get a yes. Um, but then you actually kind of learn how to do it and it becomes fun and you get good at it, which is kind of the path that I, that I took. And then all of a sudden you get approached with this leadership position and say, Hey, you're, you're good at sales. Do you want to manage people? Yeah, of course. Of course. That sounds like the next level for me to do. Right. <laughs> and, and you jump at the opportunity. Now, all of a sudden you're in charge of your peers, right? That you just, you know, were in the trenches with working with and I can literally remember sitting at my desk, kind of listening to calls and, and doing this. And I said, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you know, and I did what most sales managers do, at least the majority of the ones I talked to, which is, okay, here's why I was good, right? I'm just going to teach people to do it how I did, did it. And I'm going to. I'm going to change the company. I'm going to change the world because I'm going to make everybody, I'm going to save everybody and make everybody a top contributor. And then let's just say two to a month later, you're sitting there and you're just saying, how come nobody can do what I did? How come nobody is listening to me? How come I have to say the same things over and over again? 
And I think your first response is to say, well, they're just not as good as I am. Yeah. Right. I think as you grow older and you learn, you know what I mean? More about processing coaching and things like that. There's only one you, right? And you can't really, Michael Jordan can't go out and duplicate himself, right? He's, that's why he's not a coach. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you yeah. got to learn to, you know, it, it's a whole process in being a manager. And I just don't think there's a lot of coaching. So I know that was a, a long answer, but long story short, I have a six step process to walk sales managers through because I believe they're really good at sales process. I don't believe they're good at management process. Yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting because I, I think so much of what you're saying I have experienced. Um, and I think in many ways it's human nature, right? Teaching and coaching is an art and it's difficult. And then so is learning, right? Because you have to also understand how the person that you're coaching learns. And, and that takes time. I think one of the things that I see in sales so often is impatience, people not giving other people enough time or really trying to meet them where they are or understand what, I mean, there's, there's plenty of tests that you can give people to understand how they learn, right? You, you, you can give them personality tests. There's a lot of data that we can use to then guide us as coaches, as teachers, as mentors in how to do it. Do you incorporate any of that, you know, kind of what is your method for, for meeting, you know, people where they are and, and, uh, helping to, or understanding more about them. I think it, a lot of it starts in the interview process. Yeah. I, so I'll, I'll walk you through how I used to actually interview people in that most of my career has been in outbound sales, right? You've been in outbound sales. Yep. You've had to book meetings. Yeah. Is it fun? <laughs> no, it's hard. It's a grind. <laughs> and it's and it's it's very discouraging because you hear no a lot more than yes, right? You got to get used to rejection. It's actually one of the stupidest things that I think we've ever done, but yet we all do it. You know, yeah. but I mean it, it it's 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 what it is. Yep. Right? In my interview style it used to be I could kind of tell within, you know, you watch a person walk in, what's their appearance? Are they prepared? Do they have a notebook, right? Can they, one of the, one of the, the qualities I have is I think I could meet anybody and it seems like I know them for five years. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's a, I think that's a skill, but I think a lot of salespeople have that, you know, yeah. I think you, you have to. Yep. And so we, you know, you just kind of have a regular conversation, ask a few questions. I, I think one of the big things for me used to be, they should be interviewing me just as much as I'm interviewing them. Yeah. Because for me, I've always kind of went to work for people I respected and thought, hey, can this person grow my, you know what I mean, grow my career. Right. And so then if that, if that went well, like I, I had a pretty good idea right away, but let's just say it's going to be a 20, 30 minute conversation. I would always say, Hey Dave, you know what? I, I, I like you. Um, I actually want to hire you. 
but I, I want you to I want you to listen to something first. And I would give him this book that was all about prospecting. It's fanatical prospecting by Jeb Blum. Hmm. If you listen to the first half hour of this book, <laughs> in your right mind, you'd be like, "There's no way I want to do that job," you know, because it talks about exactly what we talked about: how hard it is. Mm-hmm. Everybody says no, you know, and I, all that stuff. And I say, I'm going to send this to you. I, you don't have to listen to the whole book. Just listen to the first half hour. If you're still interested in the job, right? Let, let me know. And it's amazing the responses I would get from that. Because some people, I could tell if they downloaded the book, some people won't even download it. Yeah. Okay, so they're out. Other people would download it. I wouldn't hear back from them. They're out. And then other people, other people would get back to me and say, I, I, yes, this is what I want to do. They would quote what they heard and this and that. At least now I know I'm off to a good start. Okay. Yeah. How many sales companies out there? And there's, there's a lot in Scottsdale. Although it's a little different now with COVID, but I can tell you back in the day when I was hiring against them, we got golf simulators, we got this, we got that, you know, we got free lunch, all this stuff. And I think people take the job because like they liked all that stuff. You know what I mean? I, yes. And then I think you're just starting off on bad expectations. Right. I think like literally the first thing you have to do, like if you're really going to lead somebody, lead a team, you have to have proper expectations of what your culture and what it's going to be like in the job or else. It's like sales reps that sell a product and then it doesn't really do what they say. Then everybody's just mad at you the whole time. Oh, my gosh. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. It, it, this is a long story, right? But you asked me like, how do you coach different people? I think you got to hire the right person for one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think if you don't hire the right person or it doesn't fit your style or that, I, I just think you're always going to have a rocky, you're going to have a rocky road. Yeah. So it, it, it you know, uh, what Stephen Covey say, you got to begin with the end in mind, right? Well, I think beginning with the end in mind is hiring the right person so that you can get to where you, know, you, you have to have something to, to start with. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned something that I think is really, I think there are two things. One is, um, you know, liking the people you work with. So part of it is just, you know, you have to have that rapport, that chemistry, um, you know, like you said, I, the people that I've gone to work for in my life, it was more so more than anything, it was, I was attracted to what they had, you know, and what I mean by what they had is who they are, right? They, I knew I could learn from them. I knew I wanted to work with them. That collaboration was always really important to me. And then the other thing that you talked about is, you know, there's nothing like a task to find out, you know, to measure willingness, right? Because we all need someone to be willing in order to coach them, right? I can't coach or teach anybody anything if they're not willing to meet me more than halfway, really. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's 100%. And I think I was having this conversation with somebody the other day because I, I posted I posted about like accountability, right? And I think, I think, I think leadership is a lot about accountability. 
okay? But to your point, you, it's a two-way street, right? And my, and my my number one thing on accountability was I had like three steps that you had to had to follow. One was the person actually wants to be held, held accountable, like it's their idea. Yeah. Your point, what I think you just said is the person being held accountable doesn't want to let the other person down. Yeah. <laughs> and then three is it's it's simple to follow. You, you know what I mean? Like there's little things each day that, you, hey, I just have to do this. It's going to lead to this, right? I have the saying small wins equals big wins. Yeah. Right? But I think in the conversation that I was having, I was like, you know, I've had bosses in my life where I just didn't want to let them down because like that was the relationship that I had. I knew they cared about me and I cared about them. And then I've had other ones where I was like, well, he doesn't care or she doesn't care. What, what why do I care? You know yeah. what I mean? yeah. And I think that's a big, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And by the I, way, I think if you're, you're right. in one of those situations, I would recommend you get out of it because it's not doing you any good. <laughs> Right, right. Um, yeah, it's like staying in a bad relationship, right? You know, you, you know what <laughs> and I mean? We, and we've all been in one of those. Oh, sure. You know, um, so let's talk about, you know, this is, um, you know, you are in the early innings of uh, not your sales career, right? You've got a, a very well-established sales career, but in going out on your own and starting your own, you know, they, I, I heard a, a, a uh, a phrase recently called hanging a shingle. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're like now in business, right? You go out and hang a right. shingle. I don't know. I don't know even know what the heck that means other than I heard somebody use it as a way of saying, you know, you step out and go into business. And so, um, what's that been like? Uh, you know, obviously that takes a lot of guts. A lot of us sit back and, and think about doing that. Um, many, uh, a lot less actually do it. And then even less succeed. So, you know, what was it like to make the decision and why did you make the decision? Well, it, it, it's kind of a two-part thing, right? So during COVID, I had taken a job right before COVID. And the job was we were going to move a you know, I went for a leadership company that I, or leadership team that I really believed in. And then we were going to move an office from California to Phoenix. Three weeks in COVID hits and now everybody's remote. You know what I mean? I mean, you remember yeah. what that was like. Oh, the and world like, completely this changed. This is, this is not what I, this is not what I signed up for. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was just that, it was a crummy 10 months for everybody, but I just didn't like what I was doing. Right. And I realized that when I had left my initial startup and we had, we had grown a company from zero in revenue to $10 million in annual recurring revenue. Right. And it took us uh, four and a half, five years to do that. Yeah. When I exited there, I was actually, I was going to start my own. I was going to start my own thing right there. And then to your point, you use the word guts. I didn't have the guts. I didn't have the guts to do it. Like I, I, I just, I got another opportunity to kind of start a whole nother thing. Yeah. And I, and I didn't, I did not do it. Right. And literally for the last, 
No, I think everything happens for a reason to a point. And I think all the experiences that I've had in the last four or five years, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But I always kind of kicked myself into saying, man, if I just would have started five years ago, you know what I mean? I'd be a lot further than along than I was for now. But I also look at it and say, if I would have started five years ago, I wouldn't be ready. You know what yeah. I mean? And I probably would have quit. Yep. You know what I mean? And went and done something else. Because I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, especially so, when it gets hard, right? It's so easy to go back. It's it's so easy to go back. So, so my brother died in March. So let's just say Mar March of last year. So mm. 2021. And that's when I really decided I was gonna I was gonna do it because I just realized how short life was. Yeah, you know, and I had kind of messed around with it, and then that's when I really started putting my stuff together. And you know, I actually launched March first, which was a year from his passing. So that's kind of kind of a two part story. Sometimes you just need a little push along, but that that was kind of my push. Yeah, well, I I think it's a great. Uh, story, right? In the sense, obviously, I'm so sorry that you lost your brother. And, and gosh, I, I can't even imagine what that was like. Um, but at the same time, I think um, it's incredible in that, you know, you are helping him and helping his legacy to stay alive in the sense that it, it really changed your life, right? I mean, it it, it is something that gave you that desire um, to actually make a decision and go all in. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story about that. When his wife was cleaning out his car, okay, she found a post-it note like on his dash, right? So if you think about like kind of right under the radio, hmm. and the post-it note said, "Small wins equals big wins." Oh my gosh. Right? Now I talked to my brother almost every day. So he was, I, I'm in Cleveland, or he's in Cleveland, I'm in Phoenix, right? So depending on the time of year, I'm either two or three hours behind. Yeah. And then he was a, a medical sales guy, right? So he's in the car all the time. And in the morning when I'm on my walk, I mean, I'm constantly, I'm talking to him. If I didn't talk to him every day, I talk to him five days a week, right? Wow. He's just, always in the car. But the funny thing was he had never mentioned that post-it note to me. So I still remember the day Heather had to clean out his work car and she sent a picture to our family group thread with that note in it. And I didn't, I didn't think a ton about it at the time, like that moment. But as I started thinking about it, like, through the day and the next day, I'm like, God damn, everything is a, is a small win, which leads to a big win. Yeah. And if you think about sales, and this is, I was working with one of my clients the other day, and I was going through some stuff with him. I'm like, what's, like, how many people are hitting the overall number? I, you know, I only have one or two people hitting the overall number. I'm like, well, that's not very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, people are overwhelmed and, and, you know, it's tough 
you know, this time of year, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, are you working backwards with it? Because usually there's a couple key metrics that you can do every day that a math equation works into that. You know yep. what I mean? And so what I did was essentially everything you do in sales is a small win that equals, you know what I mean? A big win. Yeah. <laughs> so I use that, you know, saying a lot because it's, it's, it's true. And I think it's true with everything in life. Oh, it sure is. But the, the other thing is you got to be winning more than you're losing. Meaning, you know, if you're spending your time in the wrong place, right? Or if you are overwhelmed and you're not finding a way to win, that's where it's just so easy to get bogged down. Um, oh. You know, and when I think about my life, that's been, you know, a lot of times where I've gotten stuck. It's because I was focusing on the wrong things, right? Or, and really, you know what it is, Matt? I needed somebody to come along and help me. Right. And, and really actually right. I didn't need them to come along. What, what I needed to do was ask for help. And as soon as I asked for help, I always found the answer either from that person or from somebody that they, you know, connected me with. And, and here's, here's a key thing in leadership, I think, cause how many, how many times do you hear, hear this? Oh, he's, he's, he's just negative or, you know what I mean? Like, man, our, our team's really like down. Our team's really negative. And, and one time somebody said that, I said, of, of course. I mean, <laughs> we, we could sit here. These were, these were stats from one of my team. I, I knew them so, I still know this is like six, seven years ago. I was like, do you guys realize that for five years, our average sales meeting booking per month is between five and six meetings a month, mm. you know, cause you're calling on large to enterprise, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to book meetings with bigger companies. It just is. Yeah. I'm like, so that means, you know, our people are, they go three, four days without talking to anybody. And then let's just say they do book a meeting. That meeting doesn't show like, think about all the, all the bad that happens, that happens for a good. I said, then we get on the phone and it's like, oh my God, we got to please this person. So they might buy from us. That's like, like the worst thing that you can do. You know right. I mean? Yeah. It's the exact wrong motivation. So like you have to figure out a to way to fix the game in order for your people to win a lot. So they're not looking at the end result. And they're looking at the small steps that you have to take. Hey, if I made, I saw somebody post something on LinkedIn the other day I thought was good. It was his first day on outbound. And he said, well, I sent 32 emails. I made 27 calls. I talked to nobody, but it was a great day because I hit this and this. And I'm like, I messaged him. I'm like, you know what? That's the right attitude. And you should keep yeah. track of this stuff every day and figure out what your numbers are in order to hit yourself or else you drive yourself to insanity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta have some kind of goal and, uh, you know, look for the little wins for sure. Um, so how did you get your first few clients, right? You, you know, you're, you're in these early innings. What did yep. that look like? Cause I'm always curious, you know, I, I talk to a lot of business owners and leaders, um, and you know, it's a common thing they say, you know, the first three are the hardest. Yep. So it's funny. I, I went completely opposite of everything that I've ever believed in. And this is based on a course that I took 
um, for a year where it was more about figuring out what your niche is, right? And my niche is newer sales managers that were top individual contributors that kind of just took over a team within the last, let's just say six months to two years. Yeah. And developing content around that. Okay. And their point was, sure, you can go. And, and I really, I, I didn't believe that this would work in, in, in honesty. And I'm like, okay, so you say create content, share everything that you know, basically for free, right? And get your stuff out there, build your newsletter, do all that stuff. And people are going to come to me. I'm like, I just don't, I don't believe I'm going to have like an inbound thing here. Yeah. And there's somebody I respect that took kind of the same program. And I saw what he was doing on LinkedIn. And I said, I was messaging back and forth with him. And he's telling me, he's like, he's like, I'm telling you, he goes, it works. So I, I like, if he wouldn't have told me, I wouldn't have believed it. But you used the word guts earlier. I'm telling you, I am not a social media person. I'm not a, here's what I'm doing, all this stuff. Like that was a big hurdle for me. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to put this stuff out there. What's everybody going to think? All this stuff. And I was, I literally, I would stay up at night. I'm not kidding. I'm not the type of person that really even cares what anybody thinks. But for whatever reason, this was like so hard for me. And I'm like, all right, like, I'm just going to start posting stuff in a funny, in a funny thing happens. You, you actually, you get more support than you'd ever think that you would get. You know, you know, like for me, I was like, Oh, what are people going to think? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just post things that I've been through that, and I try to relate it to other things, but like the outpouring of support that I've gotten you know, from old employees, from people that I know, from people that I have no idea who they are on LinkedIn, you know, somebody will say, oh my God, I read that. I've been through this exact same thing, you know? And I'm just like, oh, well, that makes it all worth it. You know what I mean? Even if my old, my old, my mentor, who I still talk to, I just was texting with him yesterday. He would run a sales training and he was, he was so good at it. And I'd be like, man, that was, that was really good. You know, blah, blah, blah. He goes, yeah, there's 15 people in there. He goes, if one, if one person got even 10% from something on that, I'm happy with that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I've always thought that way. Like, Hey, if, if people, if even if just one person got a little bit of something out of that, it was, it was worth the time and effort that I put into it. And that's how I've gotten clients is, they come to my website or they're a part of my newsletter and they can click for a free call and people book a free call. And then if it, if it's a fit for us to work together, we do, if not, we part ways. And that's how yeah. it's always, it's always kind of how my sales approach has been. I'm not really a, uh, a hard closer. <laughs> I hear, I've, I hear that. I've always, yep. I've always thought that if you have to hard close something, you miss something along the way. <laughs> Or you just end up with somebody that's going to have buyer's remorse, right? Because you you twisted their arm, right? Um, that too, and, and and that's no way to start a relationship. And 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 yeah. I I think we, we got to sell the way we buy, 
right? And so I guess if, if the hard sale uh, works on you, um, then, then you should probably sell that way too. But, but for me, it, it's much more of a turnoff, right? Someone who's just coming at me, I just want to get away from them. Um, whereas if it's somebody that really wants to understand and wants to um, talk and, and um, you know, get to know each other and have it be more of a relational um, dialogue and exchange, that just works for me. Um, and so that's the way I like to sell. And, and man, I, I always want to make sure that they really are, that it really is a good fit. The last thing I ever want is for us, you know, a week, a month, a year down the road to be like, this was a bad, this was a, a bad investment. I, I got a, gr a great story on that. So we used to sell online advertising, you know, the stuff that chases you around. And reps would come to me and be like, hey, this, this person, they, they, they're interested. They love the data that we have, but they use Google Analytics. And I'd be like, no, no, no. If somebody's going to complain about Google Analytics, like we, like I won't even talk about Google Analytics because we're never going to be in there. Nobody clicks on ads. This is a, this type of play. Like, no, 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 this guy's, this guy's really interested, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, he kept coming around. So I finally hopped on a call with him and the rep. I said, I'm, I, I can't sell this to you. I literally cannot sell this to you. He's like, Matt, <laughs> I have to try it. I said, you don't, here, here's what you don't understand. If you're going to look in Google Analytics, I'm not, I can't sell this to you because here's what's going to happen. Three days into the thing, you're going to call and this is, these are all the things you're going to say. You're going to, you're going to bitch, you're going to complain and you're going to waste my whole, my whole media buying team's time. Cause we got to set your account up and then you're going to quit. He begged me to use it. So I finally was like, all right, go ahead. You know what I mean? Let's do it. <laughs> he called three days later. And me and the rep are sitting there. He went on a, a, a he went on a three minute just tirade. <laughs> no, worse than I thought, actually, because I thought Jeez. we were going to have like a decent conference. Went on a tirade, and you set the expectation, I, right? I mean, you could not have been more clear. I mean, I, it's I wouldn't so funny. Tell it to him for a month. You know what yeah. I mean? And he finally took a breath. Right? Nobody, nobody said anything. I was just like, "Are you done?" And he, he was like, what? I'm like, are you done complaining? Because these are all the things that I just, you know what I mean? Like, I knew it wasn't going to work. And guess what? It didn't, right? I yeah. was right. He didn't, you know, he spent $5,000 and quit. But, you know, if it's not a fit, and I think that's a term you should teach people to use, like, especially in discovery calls, whether it's overused or not. But it's like, hey, my whole my whole thing on this call is just to figure out like, are we a match? Are we a good fit to work together? You yeah. know? And, and then if we are, we can talk about, you know, what it looks like, but I, too many people. And, and I think this is a way that orgs are set up too. you know, they got to hit a number. So they're doing everything that they can to sell everything that they can. And most of the time it's not right. Right. Oh, exactly. And then that ends up costing so much, because it just consumes so much of the company's time. I mean, it's just a, it's a lose, lose all the way around. Um, but think, think about what it does to the rep too, Dave, which is they put in all this time and effort 
and then they finally sell something for the wrong reason and then the person's mad or then it quits right yeah and then the rep is saying this this doesn't work or you know what i mean then 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 they get negative and then the team you know what i mean like it's such yes. a it's such a domino effect and it happens all the time but it's it's all because the manager or the leader doesn't set the game up right for the team to win. Yep. It, you know what I mean? Like everything should be laid out for them to, hey, and, and, and I think onboarding, interviewing, onboarding, and expectations, you know what I mean? That's where you set your structure up in your game to win. If you can get that right, it kind of makes everything else easy. I think everybody else does it the opposite way which is everybody else worry about their pipeline and what's coming in and what's closing so the manager or the leader can hit their number. So they spend too much time in their pipeline and they don't spend enough time on their structure setting it up for them to win. Yeah. And I just think that's a huge, I think that's a huge mistake, but there's also a lot of pressure out there and people don't know how to manage up to their leaders and say, hey, this, this this number's completely wrong. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, there are no shortcuts, you know. No. I mean, and but I think human nature is we we uh, like to deceive ourselves that there are, right? And and that we can take shortcuts, especially when there's pressure. You know a shortcut I'm trying to figure out right now? What? I, you know, you're probably doing the same thing, you know. I just look at some people on LinkedIn and I'm like, man. You get 500 likes, a thousand likes, 5,000 likes. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm, I've gotten my, my best is 235, right? But usually I'm somewhere between 30 and, you know, 30 and 75. And I was messaging with one of those guys the other day because he had, he had actually looked at my profile. I was like, oh man, I'm really starting to gain some steam. So and so looked at my profile and we messaged back and forth. And his point was, I've been doing this a long time. I've been cons- consistent, consistent and keep going yeah. is what they've done. You know what I mean? There's really, there is no shortcut. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey, I, I could uh, talk to you all day. Um, can't believe uh, this much time has already, has already passed. This has been really, really good. But before we go, I want to, I do want to hear something about you outside of work, right? What do you like to do? Obviously play golf. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit, or if there's something else that, you know, you're passionate about outside of business. I actually don't like playing golf that much. <laughs> My buddies, it, me, me and another guy that got out of the golf business, like we, like, especially now, like he hardly plays and I, I haven't played either. For one reason, because I've been focused on this, you know yeah. what I mean? So if I go play golf, it's, you know, it's four to five hours. Plus I got a 21 month old and I'm just like, yeah. I would rather do other things. Absolutely. But what I've been doing lately, I, I love, I love to cook. Um, so I do all the cooking and then I've been hiking. I've been hiking lately. And I actually was thinking about this this morning because, you know, Arizona's got, I don't know if you've been out here, but oh, yeah. you know, there's some pretty substantial like Camelback and, and yep. the other mountains. You start hiking. And, and the hiking, like not to relate it back to work, but I was, it, matter of fact, I was hiking this morning. And when I start out, like I'm excited, I'm excited to get there, right? 
then you take those first initial steps. <laughs> I'm like, it kind of like when you run, like when I used to run that first mile was the worst. Yeah. Then, so then I'm like, oh my God, am I ever going to make it? Then I kind of get in a groove. And then, and then you keep going and, and you're like, oh my God, am I ever going to make it again? And then I get this burst of energy at the end and you get to the top. Yeah. And I was like, this is like writing a post on LinkedIn. Like I get all excited. Then I start and I'm like, where, <laughs> how am I going <laughs> to totally. this? Then I get, then I get in a groove, then I hate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and you know what? It's a great metaphor for life. I mean, that's the way life is, right? There's seasons and it's ups and downs and it's, man, how am I going to get through today? Um, and then before right. you know it, you know, it's the afternoon and some things have gone well, or it goes the opposite. You start off the morning, you're all excited. Today's going to be a great day. And, you know, before uh, five o'clock, it all goes to, to shit, you know? So <laughs> I, I, I was literally, I, I, I thought about, I thought about this too, because yesterday I was on the elliptical at the gym in the afternoon. And honestly, they have a bunch of TVs, but there's only three channels that are on at all times. Yeah. You know what they are? Fox News, MSNBC, and ESPN. Oh. And I'm sitting there on the elliptical listening to actually something that's useful and positive, but you can't, like, I can't help but to look at the headlines on the screen. ESPN is just as bad as everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how in the world, like, people just watch this stuff all day. Like, it has to drive them crazy. Completely. Which I think yes. it does. I think it does drive some people crazy, no matter what side that you're on, because everything's negative on there. Right. And then, and then this morning, I'm hiking, and I go really early before the sun comes up so I can beat my daughter from getting up. Yeah. And I'm looking at the sun come up in the sky in Arizona. I'm like, I just can't believe like the two differences between looking at headlines on a TV versus everybody's like encouraging each other on the mountain and they're looking at these beautiful surroundings. And it's like, man, you really do have a choice every day, especially in sales, right? To say, do I look at everything horrible? Because let's be honest, you can look at everything that's horrible in sales. Oh my gosh. Or do I yeah. take away like the three good things and kind of stack those positives and, and just keep going? Yeah. Because I think the keep going part of it is the key. You know what I mean? Whether you're an individual contributor or you know what I mean, you're managing. Because you get yeah. when you're managing, you gotta keep all those people going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's all about keeping going. And and sometimes when you when you think you're losing, you are actually winning, right? I mean you know, as, as long as you're learning from that and, and you keep coming back and you keep, um, you know, one of the things I'm going through right now is just asking for more help. You know, like it's amazing to me how sometimes I just think I got to do it myself. You know, a boss of mine used to call me the lone wolf. <laughs> you know, I just, right, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is, it is, you know, life is fun, man. It's an adventure, but it's not easy. And, um, and that's what I tell my students. One of the things that I struggle with as a sales leader is that I would look at a problem and think it was a simple problem. And I would actually be scared to ask for help 
because I didn't want my CEO or my VP of sales or whoever I was reporting to at the time to think to themselves, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think that's what we're all scared. We're all scared. You know what I mean? To be like, he's going to think that I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times, like, I'll get that out of people. I'm like, where are you, like, struggling? It's like, oh, my God, I have this problem. I'm scared to ask somebody. I'm like, well, let's just talk through it. And then, you know, we figure out how to fix it, and it's easy. But, man, you know how it is. You get you get a problem. You get overwhelmed. Then you don't know where to start. And then the next thing you know, you, you're, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, man. No, it's so important to, uh, to be able to ask for help. Um, well, Hey, this has been great, Matt. Thank you so much. Um, you're a great follow on LinkedIn. So, uh, I encourage everybody to, to go look you up there. Um, is there anywhere else that you want people to, uh, to find you? Yeah. Link LinkedIn. So you can go to my LinkedIn page and then my website is my name with my middle, middle initials. So it's mattdferguson.com. And then I have blog posts, videos, and then you can subscribe to my newsletter on there as well. Great. All right, Matt Ferguson, MDF Coaching and Consulting. Thank you so much. This has been great. Look forward to staying in touch. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks. Thanks.